and welcome to Media Majors. You might notice something's a little different. We sound a little more professional, a little more reserved, and that's true. No more jokes on this show. We're done with that. We've left behind such childish things. It's all corporate all the time from here on out. Yes, and the reason being is that we have officially launched our podcast network, and we want to address this at the beginning of the show, because it, I, we're, don't worry, we're still keeping the jokes. Um, we're still going to be dumb, two dumb boys joking about dumb stuff, but... I like how our joke for this opening was just a lie. I was not consulted <laughs> on this, and I demand to talk with HR. I'm keeping the corporate g- the bit going. But... I'm wearing a suit. <laughs> I bought two And you two look great in it. Cases. It's very well-fitting. Where did you go? Did you go to Trunk Club? No, I went to the place where that guy's like, I like the way that you look. And I really like it. I guarantee how much I like it. Dance for me. Liam, that's just your neighbor Carl's basement. And yeah. I keep telling you not to go down there. But the suits. Where else will I will I get a, a mauve leisure suit? Alright, do do the words earlier. Okay, there are actually going to be a couple differences. So we want to address that really quick at the beginning of the show. All it means is that... Um, at the very end, there will be a stinger. And on this show, we will now separate shows with ads for other shows on the network like big time whoopsies a podcast about historical incompetence hosted by eric mcadams that's fi- the that's show. that's a spinoff of this podcast sort of so yeah musty tv and liam i think you can talk about that it's a dumb podcast where two dumb idiots talk about television and i have another podcast called schmando where two dumb idiots talk about anime yeah. Well, and one we of them does. One of them does. Grow and expand the network as time goes on and we gain more momentum. But okay, so that that's all. Don't worry, everything else. It's just the same old media majors, but now we got a brand for it, which yeah. is real cool. And check out the other shows cuz they're basically as silly as this one. Yep. First episode of Big Time Whoopsies just came out and it's fucking great. Everybody go listen to it. Two episodes of Musty TV have just dropped. Yep. Anyways, this is a storytelling podcast about major media. My name is Tom Lockney, and I like the internet and video games. My name's Liam Sr., and I like movies and TV. And uh, each week we research a true story and tell the other one the story that we researched. And you get to hear it by default. (laughs) Yeah, that's why you're here. It's like if you're on the bus, and behind you are two chatty Cathy's chatting it up, and you're (laughs) listening in. And when you get off your stop, they come with you to the grocery store. We're the Cathy's. Yes. All right, Kathy, Tom, Tom, Kathy. <laughs> yes. I believe you're going first this week. I am going first this week. And uh, since the last two weeks have been kind of bummer stories, and it's been what a while are you since talking I about? Told a really good video game story. I'm going to talk about the history of the Prey franchise. Okay. It's pretty germane. As the new game, the reboot, just came out. Now, what does it have to do with the Predator franchise? Other than nothing. Uh, they're antonyms? Is that the word? Yes, yes it is. Alright. Chapter 1. Hunter. Chasing down prey. 2006. Even though the first prey would be released in 2006... Development actually began back in 1995. Wow, what a time to be alive. 
This is the year that game developer 3D Realms announces the project, planning to develop the title in-house using cutting-edge technology. For anybody who doesn't know, 3D Realms was this, this kind of big name back in the day. They made the Duke Nukem games. Initial outlines for the game were conceived by Tom Hall, who would leave the project after about a year's worth of work. This happens, you know. People come and go on game projects because it takes a long time to develop got sweet sweet giga chipotle despite bringing on new talent and choosing to entirely rethink the game's design 3d realms would retain some of his ideas most notably the theme of alien abduction the game was to take place on a massive alien spaceship inhabited by a collective of alien races it was also here that they settled on the protagonist for the title a young Native American man named uh, Liam on a scale of your white dad saying the phrase Chinese fire drill to like the FBI. How racist do you think this name is? A six. Talon Brave. So like a f- six. Yeah, that was that was a pretty good guess. I win. The I win was... the racist off. Tell him what we won. <laughs> what did I win? A copy of Ghost at a Watchman? No! That's the racist one. The game was the first FPS ever to be designed around movable portal technology. So, so instead of like static portals that are functionally just doors that use visual trickery to look like a portal, you would actually like select where portals would lead to and move them around. Sure. Uh, I couldn't verify whether or not this is the first FPS to do that, but I would believe it. At showings during the 97 and 98 E3s, the game garnered buzz and acclaim for its ambition and its gameplay features. So, everything seems to be going great, right? Yeah. Wrong. Oh, fuck God no, damn dog. It. Do I have to give up my racist award? Absolutely. Please ah. do. This version of Prey completely collapses, with the biggest culprit being the overambitious technical aspirations of the game. So, so, like, they had this build, and, and they were just like, fuck, like, we can't get this to work. And it's showed at two E3s now. Fuck. Mm. Sometimes this happens. Games get showed, and then they get fucked up and canceled. Some years later, head engineer William Scarborough would say, quote, In hindsight, portal tricks such as these should be used as tricks, not an engine paradigm. Um, and then Valve made Portal a couple of years later, proving him totally wrong. Whoops! I hope at one point someone at Valve said, he'll have his cake and eat it too. Get it? Because cake is a reference to our game. And then everyone groaned and went, Mitchell. Because Mitchell sucks. So, while this iteration of Prey is dead, 3D Realms still wants to salvage the property and brings on Corrine Yu, who's this, like, fucking absurdly talented figure in the games industry she's worked on everything when they were uh uh transferring halo from bungie to 343 they brought her on to like head that up like fuck this lady owns bones um so they brought her on to work by herself on the game engine to try and get it working and unfortunately this falls through as well if Kareem you can't get your shit to work, your shit is, like, beyond busted. So then Prey slips into the murky dark in 1999. 
Oh no, that's where uh, that's where Brendan Fraser is. The Murky I should Dark say. of 1999, begging, <laughs> begging to be let out. Please make another Mummy sequel. They are. I'm losing He's all my hair. It. It's Tom Cruise now. I should say, while this stuff happens all the time in game development, you know, projects get pitched, a lot of development happens, and then they get canceled. I somewhat suspect that there were maybe either structural or leadership issues at 3D Realms as they went through a similar issue with Duke Nukem Forever, another famously busted development cycle. I don't think it's unfair to say that 3D Realms was not in a, in a great place. In 2001, 3D Realms gives Prey another shot. So this is the third iteration now that they've started from scratch and are just like, we're doing this. Lucky for them, id, the developer of Doom, as well as some super fucking good tech, releases the id Tech 4 engine in 2004. It'll manage sound, rendering, uh, collision, physics, etc. Uh, some or all combination of this. This means that this time... It's personal. 3D Realms could simply license the necessary tech rather than have to develop it themselves. After a swirling rumor mill, including a piece by CNN? What? Prey is officially announced again on April 26, 2005, by publisher 2K Games. How many games? 2,000. You get your award back, but yes! this time it's not for racism, it's for math, which is a lot better than Oh, racism. thank God. This version would actually make it to release and was developed by Human Head Studios working under contract for 3D Realms. This version would be released on July 14th, 2006 and was somewhat different from the original 3d realms concept it featured an italian plumber and his brother <laughs> and a dinosaur with a big dream though the game still featured portals and mind-bending space effects like gravity stuff th this game was like kind of ahead of even like mario galaxy what but we universally agreed that that's the most ahead of its time game it's in a galaxy tom <laughs> Uh, the biggest changes come in the form of the story. Rather than following Talon Brave, players were treated to the story of Domasi Tawadi, nicknamed Tommy, a young Cherokee man with conflicted feelings about his heritage and his place in a modern discriminatory world. Oh. The game begins on his reservation. Like, the game begins on a reservation until he, his girlfriend, and his grandfather are abducted by aliens. It's, it's like one of the best openings to a game. You're in this seedy reservation bar. He's struggling with his identity as a modern Native American man. And then, uh, if I remember correctly, he almost gets into a fight with these two jerks at the bar, and then all of a sudden they look at the window and a fucking like, truck is being abducted up into the sky, oh, and then shit. the roof of the bar tears open and you go up into the spaceship. That's incredible. And this is part of what made Prey so memorable, both as a mainstream game narrative and as a creation. Because this is the first game, again, couldn't verify this, but I'm pretty sure it's true, the first game made collaboratively with actual Native Americans. Oh, that's interesting. 
Both Tommy and his girlfriend are voiced by Plains Cree voice actors, Michael Greyes and Crystal Lightning, respectively. On his relationship with the project, Greyes said the following, quote, I was impressed with the way 3D Realms conceived of and wrote Tommy. Hollywood typically relegates our different indigenous cultures either into a single pan-Indian construct of some type, radical, AIM, protester type, slick, corporate, anglicized, casino, businessman type, etc., or, most commonly, as a historical figure, typically from a Plains culture. In fact, the overwhelming majority of roles written for Native actors are in the Western genre. There are few opportunities for us to appear outside that paradigm, and when we do, it is often equally narrow in focus. The writers at 3D Realms were always open to my comments, which I freely offered, and took my notes seriously in nearly all instances changing dialogue or thematic content. End quote. Wow. I also tried to find other writings on Native American representation in Prey. There's not much, but what I did find seemed to corroborate what Greyes has said. Uh, one thing that some of these writings did call out, however, was the game's invocation of Native mysticism in the form of Tommy's various spiritual powers, which have to do with things like the spirit realm, etc. Uh, but to this day, uh, Prey remains basically the only video game with positive Native American representation, let alone one where, where that representation is the fucking protagonist. That's pretty impressive. I don't yeah, think... like the first Prey is so wild that this, uh, that this AAA mainstream game starred a Native American and wasn't like totally hateful racist bullshit. Prey was released to an adoring critical public, and it currently holds an 83 on Metacritic. And literal weeks after the release of Prey 1, Prey 2 is announced. Chapter 2. Hunted. Prey 2, uh -oh. IP rights, and changing hands. This announcement of the sequel may have come too soon, oh, no. as the next three years is spent pretty much not developing Prey 2. Apparently they were they were like free balling concepts and whatever, but no like design work was going on at the time. It's three years just throwing spaghetti at the wall. Yep. Hey, hey, hey. In two thousand and nine, 3D Realms sells the IP, intellectual property, mm -hmm. to an entity known as the Radar Group, which was itself created and led by 3D Realms Scott Miller. I'm not really sure what the deal was here. Um, Sounds a little shady. Especially because within a month, the Radar Group sold the rights to Prey to ZeniMax Media, Bethesda Softworks' parent company. Okay. I've been throwing a lot of names at y'all. So, so right now, just so we're clear, the people who own Prey functionally are Bethesda. Bethesda. Yeah. And in March of 2011, Bethesda reannounces the game with a slated 2012 release. It was to be an open-world title with a new protagonist, though Tommy was supposedly going to make a reappearance. It has this fucking killer trailer at E3, and everybody's super-duper psyched for this game. So everything's going great, right? I'm wrong. For reasons left unspecified, Human Heads ceases development of Prey 2 at the end of 2011. Jesus. No one knows why, and no one will say. 
However, one Human Heads employee claimed that the reasons for ending development were, quote, political and petty. So who even fucking knows, man? I guarantee you there's some poor sap in an office somewhere I had to, like, proofread and, and copy and fax, like, thousands of NDA agreements about what the fucking deal was with Prey 2. Because nobody knows. Uh, and in October of 2014... Follow the money, Tom. Uh, and in October of 2014, Bethesda officially cancels Prey 2. The Praying. Chapter 3. The Praelians. Predator. The Return of Prey. Don't be so happy with yourself when you read the titles. Uh, guys, I got a very smug look on my face. Uh, but Tom, I hear you say, isn't there a new Prey game that was just released? Why, yes. Yeah. Yes, there is. But wait a minute. Here's the thing. Back in 2013, Jason Schreier from Kotaku obtained emails from within Bethesda confirming that Bethesda was misleading the press and public about the nature and state of Prey 2. Prey tell. He confirmed that work was in fact happening on Prey 2, just not the Prey 2 Bethesda had been showing to the public. Instead, the game was to be a reboot slash reimagining of a property of the property. A System Shock 2-esque immersive sim developed by Arcane, the studio behind Dishonored and Dishonored 2. This new Prey was officially announced in 2016 simply as Prey, and is indeed the immersive sim Kotaka reported on back in 2013. I can confirm this because I've been playing it obsessively this week. Uh, pretty much nothing is shared between the two aside from uh, you are in space fighting aliens. The new one features uh, protagonist Morgan Yu or Morgan Yu, depending on whether or not you choose male or female. Hmm. Uh, you are on a space station and you shoot aliens and it's all right. It's an all right game. I suspect the reason that there is not a ton of information to pull from the like Bethesda Prey era is because Bethesda kind of fucking hates the press. Mm. Uh, they don't... I mean, after Kotaku put that article out, they blacklisted Kotaku. They were like, okay, we're, we're just not going to talk to you anymore. We're just not going to give you information because clearly you guys want to undermine our business. Seems reasonable. Hey, hey Bethesda, how about maybe like you don't lie to the press in public instead? Um... And also, very recently, they just uh, made it so that they don't send out review copies to any members of the press anymore. Uh, so, functionally, as far as reviews go, they've blacklisted all of the game's press. And, Sounds and like Bethesda, a bunch of sore losers. Yeah, Bethesda really, really does Real not get on bunch. with games journalists. So, there's not Ooh. a ton of information from that late era. But I just think it's so fucking... Like, I haven't seen a ton of people talking about the history of Prey and then got released and was, all, like, very good and, and did a unique, interesting thing as far as Native American representation. Then there was supposed to be a sequel. That got canceled. And then there's this whole, like, fucking Bethesda's subterfuge. Fascinating. I thought it was just going to be another Alien game. And no, man. 
There's tons of history to it. Yeah. Uh, we're going to take a quick break to plug one of the other shows on the Major Cast Network. Here it is. Hey, I'm Liam. And I'm Eric, and we host an anime podcast. Hold on, hold on. It's, it's funny. I, I don't like anime. And I do like anime. And we watch it, and we review it, and I well, try Well, I review it, and then you derail everything. Yes. Uh, it's called the Shmanime Podcast. It's on the Major Cast Network every other Wednesday. Do we commit to that? When did that happen? Oh, fuck, it's Tuesday, isn't it? <laughs> every other Tuesday. <laughs> On the major cast network or iTunes or wherever you get podcasts. Probably. Wow, what a great ad. There's a good chance I was in it. Two and three, in fact. I guess it's my turn to tell a story. It is, Liam. So this is Hit called me. The Eden Disaster. Oh, goody. Ardna Merchant is a 50 square mile peninsula of Lochbar, Scotland, noted for being very unspoilt and undisturbed. Its remoteness is accentuated by the main access route being a single track road for much of its length. I like this place. And one day, when I get old, when I get old and you're dead, and -hmm. everybody else's, all our other uh, co-networkers are dead, I'm gonna go to this peninsula and I'm gonna live in a cave. In a cave. great. Well, I'm going to shout at the kids and I'm going to throw empty bottles at them. It is a typical peninsula of that part of the world. Lots of rocks, lots of rain. The geologist Donald Duff bought a house there after surveying the area in the late 1950s. The, the button box accordion player Fergie McDonald is from the area. God. That's all that there is on this land's Wikipedia page. <laughs> it is also the site of one of TV's most strangest and most British disasters. Hmm. Eden is a British reality TV series broadcast on Channel 4 in 2016. It featured 23 participants living for a year in a remote part of Scotland, Ardna Merchant. Ardna Merchant. Wait, is, is the whole conceit of the show, you live in Scotland now? A little bit. <laughs> it features 23 participants living for a year in a remote part of Scotland, attempting to build a self-sufficient community. Okay, so this is like this is like um, Utopia or Sorta. Survivor. It was filmed by the participants th- themselves, and the aim of the show was to act as a social experiment to see if they could make like a self-sufficient community away from technology and pretty much all modern life. So not only did they have to survive, they were cut off from the world, and they had to live there for a year and film it themselves. That's crazy. Wow, okay, actually that's a super, super, super good idea for a show, especially because these people could totally die. Oh my god, oh my god, does somebody die in this story? The participants were given no other goal or task (gasps) than the broad aim of building a community being allowed to decide for themselves how to feed, shelter, and organize themselves. Participants were solicited with an online advert that asked, Are you tired of modern life? Would you like to start all over again? I know I am. Any participant is allowed to leave the show at any time. Uh, That's how they get you. They cannot just walk away, though. There's, like, protocol, because there's only one road in and out of Ardmar Narch. Oh, my God. The TV producers went over other similar shows so that they could figure out what was good and what was bad and how to do this right. 
Okay, no one. Rule number one, no knives. No sharp objects. <laughs> they had to get the right number of interesting people. They had to make sure every single moment was filmed. And they had to maintain isolation. So there are no visitors and no journalists getting accents, uh, getting access and stopping the participants from smuggling in radios, mobile phones, yeah. all that stuff. So it's like prison. They're completely cut off from the rest of the world. Honestly, you'd probably have to do like a psyche valve for those people to be like, hey, are you like, are you at risk of losing your mind out here? Exactly. This was a year long thing for these people. They spent oh a year God. in this part of Scotland filming themselves <sighs> using GoPro cameras, rigged cameras. Four of them were like had special cameras. There was a total of 45 cameras. Wow. The supplies included livestock, chickens, sheep, goats, and pigs, seeds, vegetables, basic building materials. Uh, they had food rations uh, with the thought that they'd be self-sufficient in a short matter of time. So, oh, with that the they would thought. have a livestock with milk and eggs and a veg- uh, garden uh, garden filled with vegetables. Um, at the start of filming, most of the livestock were either pregnant or too young to be slaughtered. Okay. The estate that they lived on was owned, like, just the land, not, like, in an actual yeah, yeah. house. This was not owned like, by... not some mansion or something. Yeah. It was owned by Donald Houston, who not only claimed that it was uninhabited since the Bronze Age, but describes the challenging environment as not very fertile. So the yeah, brown... it's it's like a fucking peninsula that's just a bunch of rocks and water. Like, and they had to build a garden in it. Oh boy. The production company got a temporary suspension of the public right of access by the Scottish ministers, so people were not allowed to wander in on set. Imagine how much of a nightmare it would be to be in charge of editing this show. Like, okay, here you go. Here's a year of footage. Put it into a story. Oh God. So, the participants were chosen, uh, 13 men and 10 women, to sort of have, like, a broad spectrum uh, of people. Ah, yeah. Somebody's getting pregnant on Agnamora. Archmanerdin. Archmaner. Uh, here are some of the jobs that people had before doing this crazy reality show. Here are some of the jobs that the contestants had. Shop, oh, I thought this said shoplifter. It's shop fitter. Well, Liam, shoplifter is not an actual profession, as much as I'm sure some people wish it was. Truth. Um, They had a bunch of junior doctors. There was a chef, a paramedic, a light coach, life coach, a plumber, an outdoor instructor. Hey, guess what? The life coach leaves two months in. (laughs) A junior doctor slash hairdresser. I bet you the hairdresser makes it a long way in. Well, let's go through the episodes. Awesome. Wait, this aired? Yeah. Oh, man, I thought somebody died. Ah. Episode one. The first month is spent building a shelter. Showers, kitchens, and other things they need. Uh, One man, Anton, ruffles all the feathers by trying to build a more stable hut for the winter, using building supplies and kind of being off on his own. A goat dies from eating the chicken feed. The contestants <laughs> oh, are no. bored with of their potato-based diet. Winter is up and it is harsh. Episode 2. They try to fish. It's the spring, so there should be fish and crabs. 
But it turns out there won't be fish for a couple months. <laughs> but what the contestants don't know is yeah. they're going to starve for a little while. A guy named Anton, he's lost during a snowstorm, and then he decides to stop building his hut away from everybody when he makes it back. And then a woman named Tara, the life coach, isn't pulling her weight, so they make her in charge of potatoes. <laughs> oh, God. And they realize the soil is shit for their garden, but finding a small amount of fish and clams and celebrate. I'm just imagining like these 23 British people slowly becoming emaciated over the course of a year. Nothing really happens of note in episode three. Episode four. It's spring, and although the sheep are lambing and a litter of piglets have been born, neither can be eaten for another month. And with the fish yield being lower than expected, hunger is beginning to take its toll. Oh my god. The carcass of one of the ewes that had drowned in the bog is eaten. Whoa! <laughs> one of the ewes! And it also, it's also decided to slaughter one of the ewes whose lamb did not survive. Oh boy. Glenn and Caroline are becoming close, preparing a haggis feast for the group from the entrails. Horrifying. These wow. people were driven to haggis. <laughs> Tara, the um, uh, life coach, leaves. They put a cross up in her name, even though she's not dead. And it turns <laughs> out sweet. Caroline only wants to be Glenn's friend. Oh. And that's all of the episodes that aired. Because following the first run of four episodes in August 2016, no further further footage has been broadcast, and it's unclear when and if the show will return. Didn't do great in the ratings, and then in January we learned that Channel Four was cutting back on coverage of the show. Well, is this is this going to be Hold like on. a Werner Herzog bear attack thing where we can't see it? Channel Four's official line is frustratingly vague. Eden will return to our screen soon to tell the story of life in the community and how they have fared. But a source told the Telegraph, an English newspaper, they're that they dead. had no plans to put Eden back on the air. Yeah, because they're all dead. Because everybody out on that fucking peninsula is, like, dead as a doornail. So they forgot something, though. They forgot to tell the contestants that the show had been can uh, basically canceled. What? How do you fuck that? How do you fuck that up, though? And because the contestants were completely cut off from society... Oh, my God. They kept on going as if the show had never been canceled. Oh, my God. Now you have to air it. I mean, like, you have the footage. You have to air it. It was eventually revealed that a total of 13 people... Died? Left. Okay. They just decided to quit and leave. Uh, one local resident reported in October that there had been a lot of helicopter activity in recent days, with a lot of cable <laughs> and black boxes being taken in. Dire tales of apparent near-starvation also recently made headlines, oh with one God. witness claiming the remaining contestants had to resort to eating chicken feed. Oh man, that sucks so The bad. contestants were found in local dentists getting chicken feed removed out of their teeth. Just like, just like imagine being that the, the villager in the Scottish town as like, some, like I said, like, emaciated Brit, like, stumbles in from the moors. But ten people stayed the entire year. Holy fucking shit. Did they get something? This wasn't for money, it's like... They probably got, like, a healthy dose of PTSD, to be quite yeah. honest. So they had to return to a post-Brexit, post-Trump world. Oh my fucking no god, Having no idea that this happened. Me? 
Oh my god. That's what happened. They'd been cut off. Oh, that's just salt in the wound. And apparently one day, like, they learned all this and then went to a pub and got hammered and blasted everything on social media. That's fucking hilarious. Good for them. I hope they had a good time. I mean, no, they nearly starved to death and it was apparently terrible. I mean at the pub. (laughs) Oh, yeah. They are still planning to release the rest of the footage. But I don't think they ever will. And there are two new shows with similar plots that are currently airing. One called Mutiny, which sent nine men on a mission to recreate the 4,000-mile voyage of Captain Bly, and a new project called Escape, which strands participant in the wreckage, participants in the wreckage of a plane crash and challenges them to build a vehicle to carry them to civilization. Oh my and that... God is the Eden incident, how aka would, the Eden disaster. How do they forget them? Like, that seems that seems like the most self-evident part of that. It's like, okay, guys, like, we're packing it up. I mean, like, maybe they, maybe that's why. Maybe they just assumed, like, oh, yeah, like, somebody obviously told them because that's a super obvious thing to do, and so then nobody did it. Nope. Wow. A fucking year. Are these people going to, like, sue the... TV production company? I think, they, I think they signed a bunch of stuff. I mean, they did what they were supposed to do. They stayed out for a year. Yeah, but the TV production company did not do what they were supposed to do. I wonder, actually, I, I bet you, I wonder if that's why Channel 4 is still like, yeah, we're still going to air the footage, because if they said, no, it's canceled, then like legally they would, uh, the contestants would have grounds to sue them for not for breach of contract or something. It's not a bad guess. Holy fucking shit. I thought you'd like that one. That's, it's, it's, it's like a straight up, like I've been joking this whole time, it is straight up fucking incredible that none of those people died. Mm-hmm. I spent, when I was younger, I did, I did a thing like that for a week. A week, like with an actual survivalist. Jesus and Christ. And that was difficult and stressful to say the least. A fucking year of that? Oh my god, I literally can't imagine. <laughs> so sometimes on this podcast, we could talk about bummer stuff. Like being... Liam's like, having a severe allergy attack right now, and his sneezes are very small and cute, but he looks like he's in no. an extraordinary amount of pain, so I'm going to take over this intro, this segue for all of y'all. Sometimes... On this show, we talk about rough stuff, even though I thought today was a pretty fun app. Yeah, um, today we didn't really talk about rough stuff. And we like to balance that out with a segment we call the self-care corner, where we talk about something nice that happened in our lives recently. And um, Liam is rubbing his eyes profusely, so I'm going to also go first on this one. Cool, cool. My self-care corner is I went to my five-year high school reunion, and it was fucking awesome. It was like, I was super, I mean, I, I talked about this like however many weeks ago on the show, but I was like super stressed out about it and it was great. There was like just the right amount of people came. It was like 40 folk. We all had a great time. It was like, uh, uh, like I talked to people that I basically never spoke to in high school and they, everybody was like super nice and it was a ton of fun and we all got on super well. Um, and it was just like dope as shit, you know, which man, 
it is super cool to get to be able to go to like a high school reunion and have it not be like the worst thing in the world because that's what they always tell you it's gonna be like so yeah that's my self-care corner is uh my high school reunion and some of you might even be listening to the show and if you are thank you very much for listening it was very good to see all of you my self-care corner is i well i have two i guess because i got to do a light board at a gig i worked at which was really fun so I got to control all the lights on a big light machine. Awesome. That was pretty great. And I also got to go bowling with you and our other friends. Duckpin Bowling, I got a final score of 69, and it was the best thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah, and I won a round, which was fun, but yeah. Tom really won. I guess we can also just throw on, like, hey, there's a, we have a podcast network. Oh, that's we launched a podcast network. That's yeah. also big. And this is the first time we were recording post when that happened. Yeah. So, um, uh, thank, thank you. you guys. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Tom. And thank you, Liam. Co-founder, high five over Skype. Pow. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Media Majors. Mm-hmm. Um, you can like our network page on Facebook, the Major Casts Network. Um, follow us on Twitter at Media Majors Cast. Email us at mediamagerspodcast at gmail.com. Check out um, our other shows. Check yep. out our website. And uh, enjoy yourself. Mediamagerscast.com. Um, and you should definitely look at that because Liam put a ton of work into making the site look pretty. And it looks dope as fucking shit. Our new logo and everything. Yep. Uh, so, yeah. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And remember, we'll, we'll be, be there, there for you. Thanks for listening to the Major Casts Network. Stay fun, stay nasty, and stay major.